When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we got a new guest on today. I'm excited. We do. We're previewing NC State with Matt Carter of the Wolfpacker Magazine and wolfpacker.com. Matt, welcome to the Basketball Conference Podcast. We're pumped to have you on, man. Yeah, me too. Excited to be here. Well, thanks for joining us here, Matt, and, and taking the time with us today. Uh, do you want to talk about the the Wolfpack and their 2021 season? But what we typically do here starting out is just to talk about a little bit, just kind of where things stand with, with the coaching staff and with the program overall. And, and folks that have listened to the show before will know that I, I've had a bit of a tumultuous relationship with Dave Doran, we'll say. And, and I think where that stemmed from was what seemed like, you know, the the relatively low ceiling that they ran into with Ryan Finley and, and a – a, a, a roster a few years back that was incredibly talented, uh, but never really fully got over the top. I mean, it seemed like I think they they topped out at nine wins, if I'm not mistaken. So that was where it kind of started. And then, you know, in 20, 2019, it was a uh, it was a bit of a it was a rough season. It was a rebuild. Right. You know, poor record to start out with. However, they come back in 2020, have a very strong record. Uh, it was an eight and three finish, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head. However, it was also against a very easy schedule. However, it was also losing, you know, uh, losing, oh gosh, uh, Devin Leary, like for almost the entire year. So really, Matt, I guess what I'm getting at is it kind of feels like this team and this program and this coaching staff can kind of be, you know, you can kind of fit whatever narrative you want to them. So I'm curious to hear if you would agree with that and what narrative kind of you're, you're fitting to them as we look at them right now. Uh, you know, I, honestly, that's, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. But, yeah, you could pro- probably take whatever narrative you have and and, and point to something. For instance, the, the nine-win seasons you pointed out, you know, when they had all the NFL draft picks, you could say, well, they only won nine games. On the flip side, I looked at that season and I said, they played a really hard schedule that year. They went in 2017. Their four losses were – a fluky loss to a, a borderline top 25 South Carolina team where they outgained them like 600 to 300 yards of total offense, but lost the game on like two plays. Uh, they lose to a top 10 Notre Dame team on the road. They lost to a playoff bound Clemson team. And then they lost to an eight win Wake Forest team that beat Texas A&M in a bowl game. And they lost the game because Emeka Emeji, who I'm sure we'll talk about, fumbled the ball going in for the game-winning touchdown with about 30 seconds to go. And it's debatable whether or not he fumbled it or not, whether he crossed. I mean, so, you know, you could say that nine-win season was against a very hard schedule, and they actually did pretty well. And, and so, yeah, I, I never thought of it that way, where you could p- kind of go different directions with the narrative, I guess. But, you know, I look at Dave Doran's program, I just see a super solid program that that – 
when healthy and when having good luck, um, they do an excellent job developing players. They take a lot of guys and put them in the NFL. It's just looking for that breakthrough moment, right? That that breakthrough, here's your win that you can hang your hat on and, and take off. That's that's what it's missing, and, and they know that. They don't deny that. I mean, Dave Doran, I think it's it's fair to say, you know, he feels like he has a very good quarterback in Devin Leary. The problem is we never – it feels like we haven't had the opportunity to really see him healthy extensively. When we have, he's been pretty good. Right. Um, so I understand the the upside of the offense when you add in Bam Knight and all the receiving talent. And there's a lot to like about this NC State team. But I guess from someone who covers the program regularly, how um, how concerned are you and how concerned is the fan base um, about Devin Leary and his health? And then, you know, how optimistic is the fan base regarding, you know, his play? Because when he's been healthy, he's been pretty good. Yeah, they've been loving Devin Leary since he was a four-star Elite 11 quarterback. And, you know, Penn State made a move on him, and he turned Penn State down after he had committed to NC State. So they've always loved Devin Leary because he's got the million-dollar arm, too. He's got that really super strong arm. So um, they love Devin Leary. You know, it was a fluky injury, right? It's just that, that weird slide and broke his leg and, so I'm not sure how concerned they are, um, but I think it's the million-dollar question is, is what is Devin Leary like for an entire season? I think you hit it right on the nail. I mean, is he a legitimate upper echelon ACC starting quarterback, or is he um, an inconsistent guy who will flash his potential from time to time but and not do it on a consistent basis? Uh, to me, that's everything about this season. If, if, if he's an upper echelon quarterback, NC State should be pretty good. They do have a tough schedule, but they should be pretty good. If he's inconsistent, then it's going to be a wild ride. I remember watching him come out the first couple games he played in last year against Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh and just watching and thinking, oh, man, that was a throw. Like, yeah. you know, it's – and so he's clearly got that in him, but he's also there has been some inconsistency. You know, he wasn't great against Virginia. He had some games in 2019 where he really wasn't particularly good, but clearly the potential is there. Now, the good news is that it's not all on him to make this offense go. He's got a, a two headed monster of a rushing attack with Bam Knight and Ricky Person Jr. that that's got to be one of the best rushing you know, running back duos in the ACC, I figure. Yeah, I think so on paper. I know the ACC lost a lot of good running backs this past year, but uh, you know, I would think NC State and Georgia Tech, off the top of my head, would probably kind of stand out on the ACC running back pecking order. Um, I'm sure there will be other guys that emerge. I'm sure Clemson has like a dozen of them waiting in the wings <laughs> now that Travis Etienne is gone, right? But As they do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, but – off the top of my head, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a very good uh, dynamic duo, and it, and can they stay healthy? You know, running backs more than any other position, they get banged up and don't make it through a season. So, how healthy can they be? I'll be interested to see if they put Bam Knight on kickoff return again because he was a really good kickoff return. I think he had a hundred yard return for a touchdown against Miami. But do you really want to risk putting your all ACC running back candidate? back there on kickoff returns that's a, that 
that'll be an interesting interesting debate i'm sure to be had virginia tech put khalil herbert back there on kick return last year it made me freaking sick because i knew the moment he got hurt they would be in a lot of trouble <laughs> um I, offensive line i mean the a decent bit of talent returns up front. I mean, how, how do you feel about NC state's, you know, front five and, you know, the way they can block for Bam Knight and trying to keep Devin yeah. Leary upright, obviously is a huge part of it as well. Sure. Yeah. They, they, they have good cornerstones. I would say, you know, um, Icky Aquanu, this will probably be his last year. He's technically a sophomore, but he's really a junior because, you know, they did the whole freezing eligibility thing, which is kind of a headache to keep up with. And, um, but he's an All-American candidate. I know the Athletic wrote a story calling him the most dominant offensive lineman in America or something like that that you may not know about. But you have your left tackle spot well taken care of. Uh, the center, Grant Gibson, is probably, you know, probably not an All-American guy, but it could be an All-ACC guy. Um, and they really like the young left guard, Dylan McMahon, who started a lot last year. So it's really the right side of the offensive line. Um, Bryson Spees has started a lot at right tackle. He can also play right guard and uh, he's a very solid, serviceable guy. Um, so it's questioning can some of these upside young players, plus they had a transfer come in from division three uh, named Chandler Zavala, who's an all American at that level. Um, you know, will that translate to the ACC? We'll see. Uh, but they have high expectations for him. He looks the part. I mean, I've seen him. He definitely looks the part, but obviously blocking a D3 defensive lineman versus an ACC defensive lineman is, is a whole different animal. Matt, the, the Wolfpack bring back Emeka, Mezzi, Thayer Thomas, Devin Carter, Porter Rooks. I mean, all top four wide receivers. Again, guys that Devin Leary is going to have at his disposal to throw to. Amezi himself is the, the career leader in, re, in receiving yards among all returning ACC receivers. Um, he's a guy I think that has, has all ACC potential. He's probably one of the guys that doesn't get talked about enough as a really talented receiver within this conference. Yeah, he, and he's got a great size. He's a decent athlete. Um, you know, if they stay healthy, and actually Amezi has been one of the guys who, you know, he's he mid-spring. He wasn't ready for the start of fall camp, so – you know, how quickly can he get up to speed that they were expecting him back right about now? If, so if, he, if he was on that timeline, can he get up to speed quickly enough? You know, he's a, he's a super senior, right? He's one of those guys that decided to come back. So you wouldn't think he needs a lot of time to get up to speed and, and everything, but that's a little bit of a question mark. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's kind of that underrated you know, when you look at his production with the guys that people talk about for all ACC, it's not that far off from a lot of those guys. So, um, and Thayer Thomas in the slot, you know, Devin Carter on the other outside. It, it's a pretty good receiving core. It's a pretty good receiving core. And um, that's why I, I, I really think it comes down to Devin Leary because there's no lack of playmakers for him to hand off to or throw it to it's just how consistent can he be and and how far up the upside can he reach this year for nc state defensively again nc state's returning a bunch who they're not returning though is ali mcneil up front which is obviously a pretty significant loss how does nc state plan to replace his production at least to the best of their ability because he was an outstanding player 
Yeah, he, you know, he's proven that too. Because I read the other uh, other day, he's starting already for the Detroit Lions. Um, and seemed to have already won their starting no tackle job. So obviously, it wasn't a fluke. Um, yeah, I, 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 CJ Clark is probably in line to start. You know, he was a big deal coming out of high school. He picked NC State over Georgia. Uh, redshirted because he had a, a, a shoulder injury. And last year, he was McNeil's backup, and he actually played a fair amount of snaps. So I think the hope is that he'll kind of break out this year. The, the wild card is Corey Doden, who was at Florida State, and he was really good in 2019. And then, you know, I think there was just a lot of – I didn't follow – obviously, I wasn't in Tallahassee. It just seemed like there was a lot of mess in Tallahassee last year. And he transferred out, didn't have the year he wanted. You know, a lot of people thought he would have been an early NFL draft guy last year for Florida State. So he transferred to NC State, and apparently is, is killing it right now. I mean, they've been raving about him the last week. So he's kind of the wild card. If he can come in and you're basically replacing an NFL player with an NFL player, then then you're kind of back where you started on the defensive line. So um, but you know, I hear that I, I hear I've been doing this 17 years. I hear a lot of guys killing it in preseason camp, and then when actual kickoff comes, you know, so and so disappears and you never hear from them again. So I always tend to wait until I see it on the field before I get too excited about it. All coaches love their teams in the preseason, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's the beauty of it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I I appreciate that level of skepticism. It's it's very much in line with mine as well. I I've, I've listened to a lot of really good things that Jeff Collins has said about Georgia Tech the last two years, and uh, we've seen how that goes. <laughs> the good news, Matt, though, is that you know even even rebuilding on on the defensive line a little bit, you know, trying to replace it in Aline McNeil, and I don't know that necessarily NC State has had another pass rusher recently on the level of a Bradley Chubb or a couple of the other guys, you know, from recent years. But the good news is that behind them or at least a pair of linebackers who, again, make one of the best linebacker tandems in the ACC. I, for one, adore watching Peyton Wilson play <laughs> and how fast he is, and he's just involved everywhere. Um, I, I mean, there's are there any questions or concerns about this linebacker group? Or, again, is that kind of meant to be the heart and soul of this defense? Zero question. The only question is, do they stay healthy? It's, it's, it's actually goes forward deep. Their fourth linebacker, By Jones, who actually blocked three kicks last year on special teams. Uh, he's a freak. He came from USC. He was a former Rivals 100, can't miss guy. Um, and he was playing for Southern Cal. He, he just decided to leave, and his dad knew NC State defensive coordinator at the time, and that's where he ended up. Um, you know, I, I think that, Quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if three or three of those guys are playing in the NFL. Three of the top four are playing in the NFL. Peyton Wilson is, is a freak. Um, he might be the fastest player on the team at 6'4", 240. Uh, and he got that old school, I see you and I'm going to hit you. I I interviewed him. He was a state, maybe been a state champion wrestler. And he told me his mentality in football comes from wrestling. It's, in wrestling, it's either kill or be killed. And that's how he used the football field. Either I'm going to get killed or you're going to get killed. And I don't intend on being killed. So he's that kind of mentality out on the field. And, you know, he's just kind of dial it down about 
10%, he could still be outstanding and he would kind of cut down some of the overaggressive mistakes and penalties that he makes. Um, but I think he's an ACC Defensive Player of the Year candidate, led the ACC in tackles last year, and I think he missed a couple games. So he still led the ACC in tackles, and he's got first-round NFL draft pick potential. Um, Isaiah Moore is going to play in the NFL. You know, Drake Thomas has slimmed down and is really in great shape. Yeah, it's a great linebacker core. How are you feeling about the secondary, Matt? I mean, I, I NC State's kind of been up and down in the secondary in recent years. How, how are you feeling about kind of what they have returning? They have options. I'll give them that. They got a lot of bodies <laughs> back there. Um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys that let me see it. They have a couple guys who I have seen it from. Tanner Ingold is a, is a good safety. The problem is, is he was ejected three times last year for targeting, and then when you do that, you get suspended. So he missed the fourth game. Um, so he has to obviously cut that out. You can't keep doing that. Um, Tyler Baker-Williams is a good nickel. Uh, Jaquin Harris had a nice, solid year in his first year starting at safety. Uh, he dropped a lot of interceptions, so that's kind of the key for him. If that cuts the, I guess that's why he's playing safety, but – you know, if he could catch a couple of them, that would be good. Sahin Battle showed a lot of potential at corner as a freshman starter. You know, he's a guy who picked NC State over Clemson, so there's obviously something there. Um, can he take that step forward? They added a couple of transfers I know they're very excited about. It's an athletic group. It's probably the most athletic group overall on the team. And they got about the two deep could all start, so they have options. It's just how can they do on the field? And to be fair, defensive back is a hard position now, right, because you're spreading it out and you're exposed so much. And um, I, I kind of think we have to recalibrate what we think is a good defense and a good defensive back in this era of college football where the offensive numbers are just a joke and it's like That's playing a, a video game, you know. <laughs> so. Um, but uh, that'll be interesting. I think they could be good, but we'll have to see. That's my mentality. Let, let's see it. But the potential there. Mike, I, I had one more question I, I was going to get into here before we hit the schedule. Yeah. Um, Matt, one of the things that we, we, we've talked about a little bit with other teams is the number of transfers leaving the program. And, and it was something that kind of hadn't really occurred to me until looking at it again in the last day or so is that going back to last November, there are 11 different players that have transferred out of this NC State program. And that's the bad news. The I guess the less bad news of it is that most of them are not transferring to other you know real high level programs. It's it's uh, it's G5 and, and FCS type programs. So it's it's not like you're losing guys who are high level contributors for the most part. So at that point, is there is there any concern about those numbers of guys leaving the team? You know, for for you or just you know around the program in general? Not necessarily. I saw um, I forget who it was. Somebody totaled them all up, and if that was just about right on the average for the ACC, and I think that's the new norm. Um, most of those guys were guys who, you know. And the NC State's not going to miss, to be blunt about it. Um, you know, there was a linebacker who left who was actually pretty good. He was just didn't want to play behind a bunch of NFL linebackers. For us. He ended up at Illinois uh, named Calvin Hart. And I know they would have liked to have kept him, but 
they got it. He's number five on the list. And with eligibility being frozen, it was going to be a while before he gets to play. Um, but, so I don't think there was a big concern about that. Um, you know, Bailey Hockman obviously knew he wasn't going to be the starting quarterback, so he went somewhere where he could play. You know, it was a lot of situations like that. Um, I would say the transfers the year before were a little bit more concerning than the one this past year where it was more the classic case of, I know I'm not going to play. Matt, looking at the, the schedule, like you mentioned, it's a bit of a tough draw scheduling-wise. And the way I look at it with NC State, at least on paper, is I have very few questions about this team if they stay healthy. My questions really revolve around, A, can Devin Leary stay upright for a full year? And then B, if so, what does he what does he look like on the field? Like we mentioned, is he able to consistently put it together for an entire season when healthy? Um, he's been able to do it in small doses, but you know, can he yeah. do it on a on a larger scale, bigger sample size? And I and I look at the schedule, and you know there are there are some tough home games, but the road slate in particular looks a bit more manageable. Um, what what do you th- think about the schedule overall and kind of your handful of kind of key takeaways from this thing? Yeah, you know, what I, when I look at NC State's schedule, I look at it mainly from the ACC draw because you guys brought up a good point. Last year, they went 7-3 and three in the ACC, but they didn't play Clemson. They didn't play Notre Dame. They did play UNC and Miami, but they didn't get the two tough guys, right? Um and then I forget who else they avoided, but Boston College was another good team that they avoided. You know, this year they get the two tough guys from the coastal on the, at least on paper, Miami and UNC. So you're, the two teams you're playing in the coastal happen to be the two teams everybody's hyping up this year from the coastal. And then you obviously you get Clemson back on your schedule. And then you look at the. Uh, you know, if you follow entry State, you know that playing in Winston-Salem, which is my hometown, ironically, and playing at Wake Forest is a house of horrors for entry State. It's been a house of horrors in football and basketball since 2000. There's something about it. I don't know what entry State did, but somewhere along the way, they upset somebody in, around Wake Forest, and they just, just really give entry State a hard time there. That's on the road. You know, I think Boston College and NC State are kind of those two teams that people think could be top 25 teams, and you get Boston College on the road. Um, you don't know what Florida State's going to be like. I'm not as high on Florida State as probably other people are, but that's on the road. And then Mississippi State, year two, with Mike Leach on the road. I mean, the third, you just got to me, all those 50, 50 games being on the road, what makes me nervous. It's, it's kind of what gives me a little bit of pause. This is a good team, but they're going to have to, you know, those tricky games, I guess you would say a lot of them seem to be on the road. They're the two hardest games are at home, but and then you get Miami on the road. And so it's just like, how can you handle the Boston colleges and the Wake Forest? of the world team that you know will probably be in a bowl game when the season's over. How do you handle those on the road? That, that's, 
that that's where I get paused when I make my win-loss prediction. That's what worries me because NC State's notorious for tripping up uh, a game or two during the year. Yep, yep. Well, and I'm I'm looking at a stretch of of five games, and not to say that you know there's one crucial stretch. It's almost half the schedule, but it's. I mean, there's a five-game stretch there starting in mid-October that's at Boston College, at Miami, home against Louisville, at Florida State, at Wake Forest. So you've got four out of five on the road, no bye weeks. There's a there's a bye week before that all starts. But, I mean, that's that just seems like something by the time you're getting to Florida State and Wake Forest, like that's just a lot of, of travel and just you know, week after week games. I, I, I don't know. Like, is that... That seems to me, Matt, and tell me if I'm wrong, that seems like that might be about the crucial stretch that determines kind of what the final record ends up being. Yeah, I agree. I know. I, I point to two games, two stretch. Well, one's a game and one's a stretch. You hit on the stretch. And then I point to that week two game at Mississippi State. I have no clue what Mississippi State is. I don't think anybody really does because Mike Leach is obviously just a wild card when it comes to figuring out and – um, he's such a unique system, and it is an SEC team. And going on the road, you're playing with the cowbells down there. Um, if you can win that, entry State probably I have the schedule in front of me. They're probably three and zero or four and zero when Clemson comes to town. I think three and zero, and then that sets you up. And then you have that stretch we talk about where you got four out of five games on the road and they're all kind of tricky. They're not, none of them, you would say, NC State definitely going to lose, maybe Miami, but um, none that you're going to chalk up as an easy win either. And yeah, how many, what you come out of that will tell you what your record's going to be at the end Joey, of the year. Yeah, yeah. J- Joey, what, do you, what are you thinking here in terms of, of win-loss? I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think. I'm, I'll reserve my. I'll reserve my pick. I'll, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you have the floor first here. I I see how much NC State has coming back on offense, and I, I think even if you you know consider well, last year the schedule was a little bit easier. You see the final record. I I think they're still set up pretty well here, uh, especially coming into this fall. And I I look at the schedule. I mean, I I'm thinking something like eight and four feels pretty reasonable. Again, I mean. Getting Clemson, Miami, and North Carolina, uh, and, and getting that Miami game on the road—that's that's pretty tough. Matt, as you mentioned, that Mississippi State game feels like a total toss-up. It could could go either way entirely. Um, I, I'm thinking eight and four. I and I think again with that tough stretch of those three teams in particular, I, I think they will lose three games in conference. Um, although I, I could very easily see them beating either Miami or North Carolina and then losing another, you know, stinker somewhere like at Florida State, you know, at the tail end of that <laughs> that long stretch, you know, that, like something like that is, is on the table to me. So I'm going to go eight and four with a five and three conference record, uh, which probably puts them in the top half of the Atlantic at, at the minimum, uh, but very well could see this being like the second place team in the Atlantic. What do you think, Matt? What, yeah. What are you thinking here, Matt? Yeah, you hit me right on that nail. I hadn't firmed it up yet, but I've been eight and four since like May. Um, <laughs> and I just can't get off of I will say when I watched them at practice, they look really good. Uh, they they look healthy. They look like a bunch of older guys that have been in a strength and conditioning program for four years. Uh, they look like they know what they're doing. They didn't need to be told where to go on the practice field, what to do. 
Um, they look like an easy team to coach. I would say Dave Dorn looks like he's very at ease with this team. Uh, but I also know NC State's history it tends to be a team that, that struggles to get that breakthrough win, right? And so I lean exactly towards what, what y'all thought, eight and four, five and three in the ACC, or eight, maybe eight and four, four and four in the ACC and beating Mississippi State. But I think the upside there to get the nine wins, you know, um, but I also could see him maybe slipping up a little bit more and ended up with a, a seven and five. So that's why I split the difference and say eight and four. I'm I'm joining you guys at eight and four. I I think that game in mid October against Boston College, reasonably speaking on paper, is going to decide who finishes second. The Atlantic. I I think Wake Forest is going to be pretty decent and surprise some people, but I'm I don't think they have the upside that Boston College or NC State does on paper. Um, so I, I really do think that that October 16th game at BC is one of the most important games of the year um, for NC State. That stretch you guys alluded to, the, the four road games in five weeks is certainly tough. Um, and I, I think if NC State loses a couple of those, you know, I, I, I think they're all, they're all winnable games. Uh, Miami's going to be tough, but like, at BC, I, I think they're on even ground with NC State. Louisville, I think NC State will probably be favored. At Florida State, NC State will probably be favored. At Wake, NC State will probably be favored. You know, I, I do think they're favored in at least four of those five games. So the, the way I the way I look at it is, yeah, NC State has a way of, of dropping a few games that they shouldn't. Um, they also have a way to kind of step up and surprise us when we kind of least expect it. And I I'm going to hedge and say eight and four, but I think this team absolutely has nine win upside if they're able to pull off an upset over. I mean, Clemson would be tough, uh, but you do get it at home, which is good. But I think more likely like Miami or against UNC in a rivalry game at the end of the year, um, NC State will always get up for the North Carolina game at the end of the year. They'll always get up for it, you know, regardless of kind of how the season's going. I just feel like, um, you know, I, th- I think UNC is going to be going to be good. Um, but you know, if NC State can pick off one of those two games, I think they have nine win upside. If they avoid that weird loss, like don't lose to Syracuse at home, for example, like something weird like that. Um, if you avoid that, I, I think nine win upside certainly there. I'm going to hedge and say eight and four. I, I think there's too much talent for this team to go seven and five. Quite honestly, this is one of the three or four most talented teams in the ACC with who they have returning on both sides of the ball, but I'll stick with eight and four with you guys. Well, and here's the good news, fellas, is if we all think they're going to win eight games this year, the win total is at six and a half, as I'm currently looking at it. So there's, there's money to be made. Weird to me. It, it, yeah, does. it does. It feels like I'm missing something, or somebody knows something yeah. I don't. Yeah. It's like every article I see about the surest bet in college football this year, they've all mentioned NC State on the over at six and a half. So it's like, what does Vegas know that we don't know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vegas got to know something. Yeah, I, I when I when I look at just win totals, you know, across the ACC, NC State at six and a half and betting the over is one of my favorite bets. Um, it's one that I will probably place before the season starts. Um, now, whether or not that ends up being a fruitful investment for me is a whole other <laughs> thing. But I, I look at it, I'm I'm with you guys. I mean, NC State going six and six. I mean, Matt, real quick before we wrap this up. 
Yeah. If NC State goes six and six for this roster they have returning, what is what's going on with Dave Doran at that point? I mean, I don't think I don't think they fire him at six and six, but like, how angry is the fan base going to be with that record? Yeah, I would think it would have to depend right on how it happened. As if one of those fluky situations like two years ago where everybody and their mother were getting injured and you're literally playing the Clemson game with three true freshman linebackers, one of whom to walk on. Right. You know, not a good recipe. If it's something like that, then they'll be forgiven. If it was a completely healthy, um, no issues with health, it just was that they just laid an egg a couple of times, I think there would be a lot of disappointment and a lot of you know, frustration because, you know, last year was an exciting year and there's expectations based on that and all the talent and all the hype and et cetera. So they would be disappointed if it was any excuse other than injuries this right. year. Yep. Mike, that's all I got for Matt. Anything else while we got him on here? No, this was good, efficient, and a lot of really good information. Matt, we appreciate having you on. We always like to ask our guests to – plug where they're at on social media or um you know where we can find your stuff so go ahead and do that yeah you can get me on uh twitter at the wolf packer facebook at the wolf packer youtube at the wolf packer there's a common theme there so if you <laughs> look at the wolf packer on any social media it's ours and um give it a follow like anything else so i appreciate you guys having me on it was a lot of fun Absolutely. It's been great having you on. Thank you. Thanks again for your time and for joining us. And, and again, Matt is, is at the Wolfpacker, which is on the Rivals Network, which we've had several guests from that network, and, and they always are chock full of great information. So uh, if you're looking to know more about NC State and you're someone who cares about college football enough to be listening to this podcast, I'm just guessing it's going to be worth your while to go sign up for the site. So highly recommended. Uh, go, go check him out there. Uh, Matt, this has been great. Thank you so much. We'll, uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. All right? All right. I appreciate you. All right. All right, Mike, that was Matt Carter of the Wolfpacker. Uh, once again, go find him on all the various social media sites. Just search the Wolfpacker, you'll find him. Um, we got to get out of here. We got one more preview to do. We're almost done. Uh, it's almost time for actual football, football time. So, uh, so keep it tuned here. Uh, we're going to get out of here and go do that. In the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SOS. Together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, go find Matt on Twitter at The Wolfpacker uh, for all sorts of NC State coverage and beyond. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts, really. Uh, go, go do that and go, find, uh, go hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button, all those things that YouTubers tell you to do. Do that for our podcast, please. Um, you can f send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns. The longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. And Mike, you want to tell them where else they can find us on the social medias? Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketballconference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Also, check us out on Instagram at bcpodcastacc. Give us a follow. Check out our stuff there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bringing that back to life. Go do it for the gram. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else? I think we're good, man. I'm pretty proud of ourselves here recording on August 19th, and we only have one more preview left to record. The rest have been recorded. Not released yet, but recorded. So. It's really not like us. Like, we're finally growing up here or something. Right. By the time you hear this podcast, the other ones have been released, but we have a few that are sitting there in the hopper, and we're, sure. we're ahead of schedule. <laughs> All right, Mike. Check out those episodes when they come out. And until, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. Matt Carter, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon, and until then, go ACC. I don't want to